please stand by. We'll be streaming live soon. Please stand by. We'll be streaming live soon. Please stand by. We'll be streaming live soon. streaming live soon. you've joined us and um, just want to remind you it's Thursday so we'll be here tonight as well for the Atlanta Bible study we're, we're streaming from Athens um, as of July 2nd we're going back to Atlanta and we will be in the hotel at the Hampton Inn so um, but watch us tonight at seven o'clock Pastor Kyung Kim will be here to lead worship and um, it will be very special all right well we have come to in our, um, as we're going through the Gospel of John, we've come to what I sometimes refer to as the first Life in the Spirit seminar. <laughs> Jesus has had his last Passover Seder with his disciples, which became the Lord's Supper. Um, Mary has washed his feet, and um, and he washed he washed the feet of his disciples and said, "Now you must go and do likewise as I've done to you." He told them. A new commandment I give you to love one another because this is going to to be what distinguishes the believers, the followers of Jesus above all. The most powerful aspect of our identity and definition in ministry is that we are people who love one another. Amen? So now there's going to be three chapters, John 14, 15, and 16, where Jesus is endeavoring to prepare his disciples for his leaving them. This is a time of great transition in their lives, and they are resisting. (laughs) You know, when you don't want something, 
think about this. If, if you just don't want something to happen, you have your own idea of what's best. It's like you can't hear anything else, right? You can't take in what's being expressed to you because you already know what you want. And this is where the disciples are. Um, in fact, we see, this, um, we see this in the life of Peter, how, how strong it was back in um, Mark 8.31. It says, And Jesus began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and after three days rise again. So Jesus says, this is what's going to happen. And he was stating the matter plainly. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. He was like, no, that's not what I want to happen. So he began to rebuke the Lord for saying this. And turning around and seeing his disciples, he rebuked Peter and said, get behind me, Satan, for you are not setting your mind on God's interests, but man's. Peter was in a place... And the disciples are too in, this, um, in these chapters that we're going to look at. Peter was in a place where he was thinking, I want what's good for me now. And what's good for me now is for you to stay with me, Lord. So don't even talk about you're going to go and all these horrible things are going to happen to you. Peter was thinking, I want what's good for me now. He couldn't see God's far-reaching plan for salvation of the entire world. He couldn't see... Jesus planned to glorify the Father and be glorified and eventually the ultimate purpose to bring the kingdom. Amen? So when I can only focus on what's good for me now, what I want now, I'm very likely, it's, I probably will miss. <laughs> I will not comprehend what God is trying to do in the big picture. And so that's something we need to remember in your life, in your ministry. Um, your priorities will be wrong if all you can think about is, but this is what I want now. <laughs> you'll be confused. You'll be frustrated. So Jesus is going to speak to that. Jesus says, don't, don't focus only on what you want now. I'm going to unfold to you why it's good that these things are going to happen. Though they don't seem good to you when you hear them, I'm going to unfold to you why it's good that I'm leaving and why it's good that the Holy Spirit is coming. So this is what I call the first Life in the Spirit seminar. (laughs) And it starts out with John 14, verse 1. Let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. I remember the day, I remember the day, I remember the place I was standing (laughs) when God convicted me with this verse. And he did it through my friend Denise Ivey. I was at Rekindle the Flame. I remember exactly where I was standing. And she came up and began to speak to me, and we opened up the Bible and looked at this verse. And at that time, I took out my pen and I drew a big box around, let not, because I saw this different than I'd seen it before. I'd seen it as a, a word of comfort. Don't don't be troubled. Let not your heart be troubled. This time I saw it as a command. Jesus saying, let not. Meaning, we have a choice. <laughs> this is a commandment. This is a choice we are to make to either let or let not our heart be troubled. 
And I need to preach this message to myself today as much as to anybody. So uh, I'm, I hope I'm hearing what I'm saying. Betty, let not your heart be troubled. I have a couple of scriptures that just back this up prophetically, that this has been a message of the scripture. Uh, Psalm 56, 3 through 11, I think John has that. And then there's Isaiah 26 after that. Psalm 56. What time I am afraid I will trust in you. In God I will praise his word. In God I will put my trust. I will not fear what flesh can do unto me. Every day they rest my words. All their thoughts are against me for evil. They gather themselves together. They hide themselves. They mark my steps when they wait for my soul. Shall they escape by iniquity? In your anger cast down the people, O God. You tell... You tell my wonderings, you, but put you my tears into your bottle. Are they not in your book? When I cry unto you, then shall my enemies turn back. This I know, for God is for me. In God will I praise his word. In the Lord will I praise his word. In God have I put my trust. I will not be afraid what man can do unto me. Okay, so there the psalmist is making a choice of what mindset he's going to have, right? When I'm afraid, I will put my trust in thee. And then he he says some of the things that are happening. They distort my words. They they attack. They they follow me. They look for evil. But I will make a choice to put my trust in God and not be afraid. So that is prophetic. it's all through the scriptures, and Jesus is reiterating this, this thought to his disciples. Make this choice. What about um, Isaiah 26, 3 and 4? Cindy's got that. You will keep in perfect peace him whose mind is steadfast because he trusts in you. Trust in the Lord forever, for the Lord, the Lord is the rock eternal. Amen. So, as Jesus is about to spend these three chapters explaining that he is leaving them. He's going away. And in his place, the Holy Spirit's going to come to, to not let their hearts be troubled at that, at that saying. That's counter-reaction. Um, That's opposite of human reason and emotion, isn't it? When someone you love, your Lord, your Master, is telling you these things. The disciples, um, Jesus is going to die. How can they not let their hearts be troubled. What about us right now as we're just observing everything that's going on in our nation, um, in, in the world with the pandemic and all of all of the stuff with that and then the, the riots and the protests? How do we not be troubled? It's not normal human reaction. It's not normal human emotion. Um, let me read it to you in the Amplified. Chapter 14, verse 1. Do not let your hearts be troubled, distressed, agitated. You believe in and adhere to and trust in in and rely on God. Believe in and adhere to and trust in and rely also on me. So for Jesus to give us this command, I want to kind of hear from you. When he says, let not, do not let your heart be troubled. To me, that, that means that's as, this is as much a part of the Christian 
practice of faith as many other things. Repentance, obedience, humility, love, right doctrine, uh, good works. What else? Belief in the word. But what characterizes us as Christians? Having a relationship with God. Do you know what I'm trying to say? I'm saying elevate this. This is as important or as much a part of the other Christian disciplines that we are we take for granted that we say, well, yes, this is what it means to be a Christian. This should mean, this should be part of what it means to be a Christian, that we are a people who do not let our hearts be troubled. I have a long way to go on this, by the way. I mean, I confess. Can I say something? Yeah. Okay. So now the leader of of the disciples, Peter, Mm -hmm. is prophesied that he will deny Jesus three times. Judas commits suicide. Yeah. And so the disciples are at, uh, you know, you have the, have the new disciple and all that. Yeah, good. But the disciples are lost now in yep. for word that would uh, in, in that would tell them something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that is, that is why preaching is so important. You, you, you got to know what's in front of you at all times. Instead of following the prescribed material that you prepared, if you can't gauge to where they are, you, you just you just can't do effective ministry. Mm-hmm. You need to know what's going on into the congregation. Uh, they lost Peter. Peter has been doubted to be denying Jesus. Next thing, you have a problem with uh, with Judas mm-hmm. in the suicide, mm-hmm. and Jesus then. Looks at them and he says, "Let not your heart be troubled." Be troubled. Meaning, it can't depend on what's going on. Yeah. <laughs> it can't depend on circumstances. This is a spiritual discipline Jesus wants us to practice daily, and it does. It goes against our human nature, but it is a choice. It can't depend on what's going on. Bad things, like like Rick just said. So. Um, now he's going to go on. I'm going to do a few more verses in this chapter. Um, in John chapter 12, Jesus spoke of eternal life several times. And also chapter 10, 11, he brought up eternal life. Just for example, John 12:25, he said, He who loves his life loses it, and he who hates his life in this world shall keep it to eternal life. In verse 50 of that chapter, he said, And I know that his commandment is eternal life. Therefore, the things I speak, I speak just as the Father has told me. And he elaborates on this eternal life now. What Jesus is going to now speak after he says, let not your heart be troubled. Now he's going to elaborate even more on what he was talking about earlier when he kept mentioning eternal life. See, Jesus... He's not going to be crucified just because things turned out that way. Just because the religious leaders were intimidated by him, because Rome sees him as a threat, because even because Judas betrayed him. This has eternal purpose. Um, It has been purposed by God from before the foundation of the world, world, the word says. 
So Jesus is going to elaborate, here's how you can make that choice to not let your hearts be troubled because of the eternal life that it's going to bring. Well, if, but, but at the same time, Betty, he is getting them. Look at the words here. It says, in my father's house. I'm getting there. That's where I'm going. So we're talking about housing. I'm going there. Okay, good. Please let me. Thank you. So he says, in my father's house are many dwelling places. This is where he's elaborating on what, what is this eternal life he's been talking about. He's going to begin giving them some details about it. Yeah. In my father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you, for I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. See, he's elaborating. He's saying there's eternal life. I'm going to step into it, and then eventually I'm going to come back and bring you with me into it. And you know the way where I'm going. So Jesus speaks of a place he knows well because he's been there. He came from there. He's talking about housing. He has, and I know you want to get to that. How, yeah. how big it is? Go ahead. Go ahead and yeah, tell well, us. Well, I mean, uh, I mean, I mean, he is going. I mean, how do you relate to people who are in chaos and trouble? I'll pay your meals. I, I'll take care of you. I'll give you a job. I'm going to prepare housing. Yes, and didn't you do calculations once on what size that was going to be? I have this three and a half. That's what you want to get out. Square. And if you divide by the population of the world, everybody can have a 5,000 square feet condominium. Yes, that's what you wanted to get to. Okay. So he came from there. He knows. He has firsthand knowledge. And he assures them, and he's also assuring us today through this word, that he personally is going to be making the place ready. So it's just right for us. And then he will personally come and get us and bring us there. Yes. And out of this scripture are all kinds of wonderful teachings out there that we don't have time on about the, the Jewish wedding ceremony and how the father would build the house and then he would finally tell the son, the son, the house is ready. When we go to Israel and we see excavations of cities like Bethsaida, Capernaum, it's kind of, sometimes it's kind of hard to figure out, well, how did these houses work? And one of the reasons is because they were always being added on to because the father would build his house, and then when his son would get married or get, in, get engaged, he would build a room for the wife and the son and his new wife to come live in, and then another son, and so the house would just, the compound would expand. So Jesus is saying, I'm going to be adding on to my father's house. I'm going to be up there just building rooms, building rooms, adding on, and getting them all ready for everyone who needs housing. <laughs> 5,000 square feet. <laughs> See, why is this so important for him to elaborate on this at this point when he commands them to not? Because they need to see that on the other side of the arrest and the trial and the crucifixion and all that they're going to experience in the next few days, all the trauma and agony, and then him just being gone and not being with them anymore, um, not to mention the rest of their lives and their ministries, because every one of them, except for Judas, will die as a martyr. So their lives are going to be challenging. So he needs to cast a vision for them to say, look to the other side of all of this. 
that there is something good. There is something glorious beyond imagining. And I submit to you that we need this too. We need it right now. All that's happening in our world right now, just like what happened to Jesus didn't just happen. It wasn't just random, something that happened in the life of a man. It was his purpose to come and die, right, and go through this. All that's happening right now is also not random. It's not just political. It's not just cultural. It's not just racism. Um, Jesus and the prophets spoke clearly that in the last days, difficult times will come. You know, we could do days of Bible study of Matthew 24, of Zechariah, of Daniel, um, 2 Timothy 3. In the last days, difficult, difficult times will come. So it was prophetic that the Messiah would be betrayed, that he would suffer, that he would die. Um, the most famous one we know is um, Isaiah 53, right? Total prophetic scripture about exactly what would happen to the Messiah. It is also prophetic that in these last days that we live in, that you live in, wherever you live, believers will experience time of transition, like what's happening. The world doesn't feel like it used to, just like the disciples are going through. Believers will experience tribulation, trials, upheaval. And that's why it's so important that we don't do the Peter thing. Oh, no, Lord, no, no. That's not what I want. <laughs> I don't, that doesn't suit me now. I want what I want now. You know, I want a quiet life. I want everybody to get along. I want no division. I want no dissension. I just want peace and harmony and prosperity. That's very nice. That's what seems best for me now. But the Bible never once tells us that that's how life is going to be. Never once. Just the opposite. The Bible tells us we will have tribulation and difficult times will come. And we will have to go through transition where life doesn't feel like it used to feel. So Jesus at this juncture now has to come to his disciples and say, make a choice. Let not your heart be troubled. Take those thoughts captive. Daily, hourly, every 15 minutes, <laughs> take those thoughts of being troubled captive. And it is a spiritual discipline we need to do. It's a spiritual discipline I need to practice. I need to strengthen more and more and in the days to come to remember that Jesus has, has set the standard for us. Let not your heart be troubled. Does anybody have anything to add or speak? And then we're going to end with a prayer. Real quick. Yes. Um, to me, this is like how it hits me is like it's such a question of will God ever leave? Will he ever quit? You know, will he ever let the circumstances be too much mm. and leave you in a bad place? And Jesus answered that with his life. Like I think about the disciples had not seen God move in 400 years prior to him. And so mm -hmm. their expectation of the world was like whatever happens, happens, and there is no body working behind the scenes for our benefit. Mm -hmm. And as Christians, we have to shake that like that perception that like everything that happens is just is what it is, and God's not concerned about our individual lives because he absolutely is, and he absolutely is working that out for our good in the end. And we have mm -hmm. to, like you said, choose to see that God is still for us even in the dark moments. Amen. Anybody else?
All right, let's have a prayer. We're going to end early, but this is what I have to say. Lord, I just pray for your conviction that these words that you spoke to us, you meant them. You told us, let not your heart be troubled. And yet, how many times a day do I find my heart troubled? And Lord, I, I repent of that. And I see it differently. I see these aren't just words of soothing or comfort, but, but you're giving us a charge. You're giving us a choice that is within our power to make that choice. So I ask you to strengthen us. I ask you to remind us by your spirit. I ask you to convict us, Lord, to come back to this every time that we allow all those Thoughts that actually are in opposition to what you're doing. We're troubled because we're not in tune with you. We want what we want. And it's not working the way it would feel good for us. And that's why we're troubled. Because, Lord, when we see the glorious future, the eternal life, the building project you have going on, just getting it ready for us, all we can say is thank you and have joy and expectation of glory and of the kingdom coming. So just just deal with us, Lord, and help us in this. And we ask this humbly in Jesus' name. Amen. Visit www.latterain.com for more teachings. See you next time. Thanks for tuning in. Visit www.latterain.com for more teaching. See you next time. Thanks for tuning in. Visit www.latterain.com for more teaching. See you next time. www.latterain.com for more teachings. See you next time.